we want to introduce to you a missionary. Thank you, singers, musicians. God bless you. We want to introduce you to a young man that I just re, uh, met recently. He is a graduate of um, North Point, formerly Zion Bible Institute, Pastor Lisa, Pastor Tara, Pastor Mike, we've attended there. Some of you have taken courses over the years. Uh, he graduated from North Point. He was born in Congo, the, the Democratic Republic of Congo. And as a young boy, spent most of his life in a refugee camp in Rwanda. God has called him to go to preach the gospel in Indonesia. So isn't it amazing how God works? Would you give a great big victory welcome to Thierry Mugabe, not to be confused with the dictator of Zimbabwe. Good morning, church. It is good to be in God's house. Um, it is an honor for me to be here. I came, I came to know Pastor last month, the beginning of the month, and he invited me to come and share what I'm doing in Indonesia and on God's word. Well, as he said, my name is Thierry Mugawi. I was born in Democratic Republic of Congo, and then I was a baby. We moved to Rwanda because of war. I grew up in there in a refugee camp until I turned 20 years old and then we came here in America on resettlement program and we've been here for 11 years or minus the two years that I've been spending in Indonesia. So God has been really good to me and I am sure there's a lot of you here that God has been good to you in your own way. So I thank God. I grew up in a Catholic home, like pastor, and I knew about God. We were pretty religious. I was kind of a nice, a good person for like most people. I wasn't crazy. I wasn't doing crime. Well, <laughs> sorry, pastor. <laughs> but for the rest of us, uh, I, I was I was just normal, and I went to church every Sunday, and I knew about God and. And every, but it never really did anything to me until high school, I met a friend. This is outside of the refugee, and there was something different about him. Whenever we would talk about sports, about school, about everything, there was something about him that you just want to be around Alex. And he will always find a way to talk about Jesus. He wasn't like forcing it or just being religious. It was natural to him. And I didn't really mind it. And then I would try to act like I know what he's talking because I am Catholic. We, I go to church every Sunday. I was an altar boy. And he will ask me what I believe. I will try to explain to him. But just on the inside, I will feel like 
I talk about like, like I, you know, most of you know Tom Brady, but you know about him. There's people who really know him. And when you talk about him and then when those people talk about him, it's different. That was like me and Alex. When I would talk about God, he was, yeah, about him. And Alex himself, when he would talk about Jesus, he was real. He felt like he's met Jesus. And that's what really changed me. Plus, circumstances in my life, I was a teenager struggling to find hope. And I really didn't want life. I just wanted to disappear. I hope God will take me out. And, and, and as a good Catholic, I knew about heaven and hell. And I'm thinking, where am I going to go if I, if I die? And I wasn't sure, but I wanted to make sure because I wanted to die. And then those thoughts and all the life circumstances that was going on at that time, I knew if Alex was in my place, he would be going to heaven. And I knew heaven is people like Alex and everybody that lives like him. And I knew I was not one of them. So I cried out to God. 2011, God gave me his free grace and forgiveness. And I've never been the same. God is good. Isn't God good? I was thinking on my way here, there's a hymn that I really, really love. It came to my mind. He said, he brought me out of a miry clay. He set my feet on a rock, solid rock. He puts a song in my, in my heart today, a song of praise, hallelujah. Man, I am saved. I am forgiven, and I thank God for that. Let me, let me first forward because I don't want to take forever. So we, these, uh, next, next slide should be when I was in Rwanda and I was about to come to the U.S. So two years after I got saved, that's when we got a resettlement program with U.N. and U.S., and we started the process. We come back, we come here to the U.S., everything is different. Remember, I grew up in a refugee camp. So everything was new. Man, life was different. But thank God I knew the Lord. I always thank God that I came in America knowing God because it's a land of opportunity, good and bad. But because I was a changed person, I thank God every day for that. I don't know where I would be. If I had come here without knowing God. But God saved me. So two years after we got here, I, I've always wanted to tell people about the Lord. Since I found the Lord that day, I went to everybody that I knew. My family, my friends. They thought something has gone bad in my mind. Because I wanted everybody to know the Lord. I knew about him. But now I knew him. And I, I, I was thinking, why nobody ever told me how I can be saved. That Jesus, this is what he does in people's lives. Almost everybody in America know about Jesus. But very few know him. Because they haven't heard about him. So I came to North Point Bible College. Started going through the classes and everything. And we have chapels. Awesome stuff. And I'm learning how to share the gospel and all that. And then we have missionaries that would come. And they would talk about unreached people groups. These are the people in parts of the world where the gospel is not accessible. These people, they will live and they will die without hearing about Jesus. Because there's no Walmart there to buy a Bible. There's no friend. They've never met a Christian in their, in their lives. Christmas means nothing to them. And 
they just live outside of knowing the Lord because nobody ever told them. And that cannot change unless someone tells them. And then when I'm hearing about this, I'm thinking, man, this is what I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to tell people about Jesus, especially those who don't know him. But, you know, I never thought that I would be a missionary. After all, I'm African. You know, I'm thinking that's for, you know, these American and white folks. I'm African. It was intimidating because I never saw myself as a Christian. I went to Bible college, not because I felt the call to ministry. Particularly, I wanted to know the Lord so I can tell people about him. And over time, keep, keep hearing about unreached people groups. I just couldn't escape. And I said, and I, and I prayed about it for like two years. I would just make it disappear in my mind. I was like, I don't want to think about it. But I'm thinking, I felt the Lord was telling me, just don't go and be a missionary. Go and do what you love to do, to tell people about the Lord. And that was good enough for me. Well, it's not been just a walk in the park, but it's been the best thing that I've ever done. Next slide, it has, um, this is one of the villages that we went to. And 2019, that's the first time uh, a, a, a Christian have been to this village. In 2019. And then in 2020, well, the world shut down. So the pastor couldn't go up there. In 2021, this local pastor, he took me and uh, two other missionaries to go back to this village. We went there, spent five days there. We would worship and pray in the morning. In the evening, in a, uh, at noon, we'll have meals for all the children. And then in the evening, we'll have services. And we'll pray for the whole village, like one by one. It was that small. And in the end, in the beginning, the mans didn't want to approach us. And you could see they still carry their swords and, and all that. And and they would just, the mans would be surrounding our tent where we were uh, praying. And the women and children that over there were, were singing these songs and the the kids, and then in the end, all the women and the children, they want us to pray, to pray for them and physically touch them. And so we'll pray for them. After five days, we got three women. They, 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 they're asking, what, what's next? So we baptized three women. Two of them were pregnant. And the man, their compliment is to be around. So if they're around, they're not mad at you. And the chief, he's like, I won't allow any other religion to come to my village. You guys can come back. And all they wanted was, you know, we're wearing hats. Indonesia is very hot. But wearing hats and sunglasses, and we didn't bring any back. Because, you know, they, they like them. <laughs> and, and we left them. There. So this is one of the places. And then the other place I live full time is in the capital city of Jakarta. I was talking with the pastor. Today is Chinese New Year. And uh, next slide. Um, in my apartment, I have uh, a home group, a life group like you guys do. And it, this one happened by accident. One of the friends, he's over here, long hair. We started meeting up the first week. 
we went for coffee, and he came to my apartment. We hang out. We talk about the Lord. We sing and watch a movie. And he said, a couple times we've been meeting, he's like, can I invite my friends? I was like, sure. So a friend invited a friend. And, but in the end, we were meeting like 14 of us. And this, the home group, I, I left in the end of September last year. The home group has going on. So we started alternating. These young adults go to their homes and have home groups there. My place wasn't even hosting anymore. And um, I can't go to all the stories, but one of them, he came from a, a very persecuting family, this one over here. And at the time we met, he was, Indonesia is the largest Muslim nation in the world. And it's just like America in a way. Indonesia is almost everybody identify as a Muslim, just like in America. Most people think they're Christian. Well, there's people who think they don't believe in anything, but almost everybody think they're Christian. Even if they don't go to church, they think, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Indonesia is the same. Even if they don't practice any of it, they, they're Muslim. It's, but there are others that are really uh firm in their faith and so he comes from one of those families and he went to a muslim school to be a scholar and and then he went to vacation in australia and they went to volunteer to salvation army he plays music he goes there they give him a music note it's hymns he's trying to play it he's looking in the words he's singing and he did it three four times his heart was changed he came back and everything is changing in him. He can't tell his family. And finally, he told them, kicked him away. We met. Now he's living away from his family. When we came, I came back in September. In October, we, we were messaging. He's like, I was sharing, I was encouraging this new believer from Muslim as well. And when I was encouraging her, I felt the Lord is calling me to ministry. Isn't that awesome? God has been really, really good. So, if you want to, if you want, I don't know if that's the right word I should use. You should support missionaries. Because if you don't support, I can't go. Like 100%, we cannot go. So, support missions. Don't say, church, uh, well, the illustration was perfect. <laughs> Fly. Yes. So don't don't let us run. We can't run to Indonesia. We can only fly. <laughs> amen. Amen. But so I have a table before you go home, stop there. I have some prayer cards that you can take home. I have some bookmarks that you could put in your books if you read in your Bible. So it has a reminder to pray and give to missions just as God has blessed you. So let's pray and then I'm going to share a little bit about God's word. Father, we thank you that in you we have forgiveness of sin and we, we have been your children. You have chosen us. Though we don't deserve it, we are who we are because you have done what you have done for us. We pray that through this word you will touch our hearts. You remind us of who you are and what we have in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 15, a lot of you are familiar with it, but I want to talk about, I want to call it powerless forgiveness and powerful forgiveness. 
powerless forgiveness and powerful forgiveness. Luke 15 verse 11. I'm going to read it. The scripture is in your screen. If you didn't bring your Bible, you're welcome. It's on the screen too. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of estate. So he divided his property between them. Now, not long after that, the younger son got together. All he had set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, he, there was a severe famine in our whole country and began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country. He went, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs? He longed to fill his stomach with pods that the pig were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to his father, to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's celebrate a feast. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they begin to celebrate. Meanwhile, the oldest son was in the field. When he, ha when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come home, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he had him back safe and sound. You would think he would be happy. The older brother because became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he, he answered his father, look, all these years I have been slaving for you. And never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat. So I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who had squandered your property with prostitutes comes home. You kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you're always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad. Because this brother of yours was dead. And he's alive again. He was lost and is found. Powerless forgiveness and powerful forgiveness. There are two different kinds of forgiveness. And this is how you can know which one. Usually powerless forgiveness doesn't change the forgiven person. But the powerful forgiveness, it completely changes the one who was forgiven. 
We don't know what happened to the younger brother after he comes back home. But most likely, when I think about this story, I think he was changed. He was never the same. He was never the son who wanted to go away and sell his stuff and live a wild life. There is a powerful forgiveness. But when we talk about the Lord, especially in our culture, everywhere in the world for that matter, there seems to be a powerless forgiveness that most people, the whole world, believe in it. I used to believe in it too. This is how it works. If you would go on a street, find a person. Well, I used to do that at North Point in Haverhill. And every Friday, every Friday night afternoons, we don't have class. So we would go to the street. There was a team of us. We'd just go witness to people. And you ask people, hey, are you going to heaven? Most likely, this is what you're going to hear. Yes. Um, what makes you think so? They will say, well, I'm not a bad person. You know, I do this and do this and do this. So I am not a bad person. And, and they're genuine. They think they're not a bad person. And for the most part, I told you, I used to be a, bad, a good person. So, and they, that's what they would say. And then the follow-up question we would ask, I would ask, I'll say, how about your sins? And this is what most people are going to tell you. Well, when I do something bad, I ask God to forgive me. And, and, and yeah, that's what I do. I ask God to forgive me every night before I go to bed. I kneel down and ask God to forgive me everything that I did wrong. And, and then I move on. What happens the next day? I, oh, I do the same. So you do the same thing and you do the same thing. And, and, and that's genuine. And that is, that's the most, that's the life that most people live. But guess what? That forgiveness they get that way is the powerless forgiveness I am talking about. A powerless forgiveness has no power to change the person, to change the behavior, to, stay, to change the habits, to change the addiction, to change the sinful nature that we have inside of us that causes us to sin. You know, we are not sinners because we do sin. We are sinners because we are sinful. The, the sins are just the behavior. It's the appearance of who we are. Jesus said, if you sin, you're a slave to sin. And the powerless forgiveness cannot help you out. You can say, oh, yeah, I ask God to forgive me. And I lived that life for 18 years. I never encountered the powerful forgiveness until I met Alex. So what's the difference between this powerful forgiveness and powerless forgiveness? This is the difference. It's the cost. Every kind of forgiveness, a real good forgiveness, it really has a cost to it. Someone has to pay. Let me give you an example. If you go down in the parking lot after service and you find a really strong guy with a baseball bat, Hitting your car. Smash all the windows and the bumpers and everything. Just smash it to pieces. There's two options. Num number one, you can, you're going to confront them. Suppose they say, oops, oh, I destroyed your car. Well, two options. Number one, you can either 
demand they pay back whatever the damage they caused, which is fair. And then what you get is your car back. You get your car fixed up and, as it, and then you both can move on. Nothing happened because the price is paid. Or option number two, you can forgive him and let him go. And who's going to pay the price? You are paying the price. You see, they, these, you can't just, the offense can't just disappear. If a car is smashed, one way or another, it needs a payment. Either he's going to pay for it or you're going to pay for it. Well, someone might be saying, well, what, what if I just forgive him and just don't buy another car? Well, you're going to be walking. And that way you're paying. You see, you're still paying. You're still paying by walking when it's 16 degrees. So forgiveness is never free. A true forgiveness is never free. If you have a baby, I have two nieces, and I go see them, and they're adorable and everything, but sometimes they're careless. Take your phone, smash it on a Let's say if they keep smashing your phone and you just act like nothing happened and then you pay again and they smash it again and you pay again. Well, you're going to be raising spoiled brats. And you're not doing them a favor. So that is not a good forgiveness costs something. And it has the power to change. So for the true forgiveness, the powerful forgiveness that changes is because it has a price to it. And this parable, kind of, I, I want to make you look at it in a different way. In a sense, when this son comes back home, yes, it looks, it almost looks as if it's a powerless forgiveness. But guess what? The younger son, when he comes, when he comes to his senses, he, he looks back. Coming to his senses is a summary. Because whatever he's sitting, feeding those pigs, he starts looking. He's hungry. He starts thinking about his father. All the good things the father is providing, even the servants. And he's looking at his mistakes, what he's done to himself, what he's done to his father and to his family. That's what coming to his senses is. He looks back at his choices, at the, at the, at the pain he's caused his father and all that. And he comes to his senses. And then he said, I think it's verse, if I wrote it down, it is verse 17. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's highest servants have food to spare? And here I am serving to death. I'll say, I go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. See, without Looking at the consequences. You see, let's say if this guy went to New York and nothing ever happened to him, he lived a wild life and everything kept going, going, he would never have come to his senses. You see, going broke was God saving him. These consequences was because if they never happened, he would never have come to his senses. And God gave him a pain and took all his money, longing for pig food, and he's not getting it. And then he comes to his senses. But that's not it. Just, just being aware of your sins, it's, it doesn't guarantee forgiveness. Because some people are, feel they know they're sinful, but still can't change. 
they, they can either be really bad and dive into sin. They feel like, I'm gone anyway. I'm too far gone. I might as well plunge in. Or they can just be guilty for the rest of their life. They feel they're terrible, bad people. I've ruined my life and everything. So feel sorry for themselves. But being aware of your sin is step number one. And true, powerful forgiveness can happen, cannot happen unless this step is taken. And number two, though it doesn't guarantee forgiveness, it's the step towards it. The true forgiveness, the true forgiveness takes step number two. He said, you know what? I am going back to my father. And he has the courage to go. He knows he's embarrassing himself, but he said, it is worth it. He goes, and when his father saw him, that's when we see the love of the father. The father welcomes him. He's trying to apologize. The father has none to do with it. He's like, come back home. I'm so happy you've been back. I don't care what you've done. I'm so glad you've been. I would disregard what you have done, what the pain you've caused me, how you ruined your life, the property you sold. Just come back home. And that is the love of the father. Every In the world, forgiveness is not guaranteed. But with God, forgiveness is guaranteed. Everyone is going to receive it. Everyone is going to receive it. But as I said, remember, every forgiveness costs the one who's forgiving. If you're forgiving, it means you're going to pay the price. If the father is forgiving the son, the father must pay the price. Not only did he get his heart hurt, not only did this father lose, lose his property, he loses, maybe he loses one of the most powerful things he has. You see the younger, the older brother? He comes home and he sees all that is going on. He's like, what have you done? And he, he was angry. He refused to go in. He refused to go celebrate. Man, what a father. He lost the, the, the first one. Now he has him back. He's going to be happy. Now the second one. The second one said, if you forgive him, if you let him come in, that means I'm going. So you see, the forgiveness he's giving the younger brother is costing the older brother. But he says the father goes outside. He's begging him, please. He is explaining. He was dead. Now he's alive. He was lost. Now he's found. We had to celebrate. Everything I have has been always yours, so you should be happy. Well, I don't want to talk about the issues of the older brother because we could be here all day. But the father is explaining to the son the reason they should celebrate. Give. We should forgive. You see the difference? The father is willing to pay the price of forgiveness. The older brother is not. Yes, God do forgive. This is for all of us Christians in our own forgiveness. When we forgive people, yes, we are paying the price. But there are people who believe in the Lord and who don't like to forgive. Or who have something so big that has happened to them. And I'm not minimizing it. 
It might be have changed the course of your life. But if we believe in the forgiveness of the Father, that he's forgiven me all my sins, all that I have done in the past, in the present, and he promised to forgive me until the day I'm gone, how can I not forgive? And God, that's why the, uh, Jesus said, forgive others just as in Christ you have been forgiven. We are commanded to forgive. Let me end like this. The Father forgives potentially at the cost of his son. This is how you can know that you can receive the forgiveness, the powerful forgiveness I talked about when I was starting, that comes from God. Not the one, you know, at the end of the night, oh, Lord, I, I did bad stuff that I don't even know. Please, okay, let him go, and then I'll wake up tomorrow because I want to go to heaven. That's powerless. True forgiveness costs the Father. And you know, I'm pretty sure you know what it has cost God to provide for our forgiveness. There was a man by the name of Jesus. He was born of a virgin. The Bible says in him there was no sin. He never done any sin. The only one. It doesn't just say he was sinless. This is God himself in a human form. God who created the heavens and the earth, the universe and everything there is, things that are seen and things unseen. He made himself into a human being for one reason, so that he can pay for the penalty of my sin. You see, without the forgiveness, without the shedding of blood, the Bible says, there is no forgiveness of sin. Bowing on the knees down doesn't forgive. The blood of Jesus forgives. There is power in the blood of Jesus. Being sorry for the sin doesn't forgive. But the blood of Jesus does forgive. It's powerless forgiveness at night. But the cross of Jesus is powerful forgiveness. I came to know this forgiveness. And you can't give it justice by preaching it, by explaining it. No words can really express. Until you have it, you don't know it. And you have to receive Jesus as your Savior, the one who saves you from your sin, the one who saved me from my sin. He's the one who gives you not just the forgiveness that it's going to last when I'm sleeping and tomorrow. No, this forgiveness, once you receive it, it gives you power to resist sin the next day. Well, I'm not suggesting that you're going to be perfect. But whenever you commit sin, you, you will just know that this is not who I am. I've been changed. It, it, makes, it makes you in the stomach, ah, uh, because you have been changed. The true forgiveness goes inside, takes the sinful nature out. It nails it to the cross. When Jesus died on a cross, he took our sinful nature away. And when you receive him, he provides the true forgiveness. What kind of forgiveness have you received? Is it powerless or is it powerful? You either know. There is, there is no middle ground. It's either the powerless and just 
you receive it and it never changes. You're just the same old, the same old. Isn't some people tired to be same? W wouldn't you want to love the Lord? Wouldn't you want to worship and dance like people who are here? Wouldn't you want to have the freedom to raise your hands in church sometimes? And, and then when you're home, actually, a song to raise in your heart, it's just to thank God from your soul and your mind and everything agree with you. Wouldn't you want to know God who created you? That can only come by the true forgiveness. And this is the reason we preach the gospel where it has never been, like in Indonesia. It's because this kind of forgiveness is not common sense. No one can think their way to true forgiveness, to powerful forgiveness. Most people, every religion in Indonesia, if you go there, most people are Muslim. If you ask them, hey, you're going to go to heaven? They will say, mm, I think so, just like here. If you ask them, oh, why? They would give you the five pillars of their religion. You know, I, I was born a Muslim or I confess to be a Muslim. I pray five times a day. I give to the poor. I fast, you know, in the month of Ramadan, and one day I, I'm going to go to the pilgrimage. Oh, I'm trying the best. I'm trying my best. I'm trying my best. Well, don't try your best. Come receive forgiveness. So I'm saying this does not come by common sense because common sense gives powerless forgiveness. You say, I am trying. I am trying my best. So if I kneel down and ask God, he must forgive me. Well, we, there is no cost in that kind of forgiveness. And that's why it has no power to change. But the true forgiveness that can forgive individuals is the only forgiveness that is found in Jesus Christ. The Bible says there is no other name given unto man under the earth in which we must be saved. It's only the name of Jesus this is true to people who believe in Christianity. And it is true to people who don't. It is true to people who died in the past. It was true to them. It is true to us who are alive. And it will be true to people who will be in the days to come. The true forgiveness only comes by the blood of Jesus. Any other forgiveness doesn't work. Only the the forgiveness that cost the blood of the Son of God. That's why we sing the blood. There's power in the blood. Power in the blood. Because it took away our sins. And we can be forgiven. Have you been forgiven? Well, this is why I go to Indonesia. It's because I understand this. Nobody over who's never heard about the gospel is going to be forgiven. Yes, they will receive the powerless forgiveness that cannot give you wings to fly and go to heaven. The one that can only give you that wing, those wings, they come from Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Have you ever received him? Let me end. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you that you have paid on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And we are forever grateful. And we offer our lives as a, as a living sacrifice. We love because you, love, you loved us first. And we thank you for your blood. And I pray for individuals who are here who haven't received that powerful forgiveness. Who have always thought, you know, they're trying hard. So you're going to forgive them for that. No, to look to the cross and receive the power of forgiveness that you give. Father. I praise you.
that you have saved us, many of us. And let me just say, if you're here and you haven't, you, you just know, you know, I, this is, I haven't received this. This is my first time. I want you to raise your hand and I'm going to pray for you. If you're here, just do it quick. Raise your hand and I'm going to pray for you. I see. Awesome. You could put your hands down and I'm going to pray. Father, thank you for these individuals. I pray that they will forever be changed. Fill them with your Holy Spirit and let, let them live lives that are pleasing to you. I pray that, Father, there will be examples in their families, in their workplaces, and everywhere they go. Thank you for your forgiveness, Father, on their behalf. Thank you for this church. Thank you for all that you're doing here. To you be the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we all stand? I'm going to ask the singers and the musicians to come back. That was a powerful word. That word works in Providence, Rhode Island, and it will work in Indonesia. And God's going to use you. God has anointed you. He's given you just clarity, and the simplicity of the gospel is powerful. Amen. And we're going to support him. Amen. Financially and prayerfully, be partners with this ministry. But such a good word. Amen. Such a clear word. And I, I'd, I'd, like, I'd like us to pray before we leave for just some of you that maybe raised your hand. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but maybe you are walking in a powerless type of forgiveness. We want you to walk in a powerful, powerful encounter, a powerful experience of forgiveness. Please understand, every single one of us from, from this pastor across this congregation has had to take that step, has had to humble themselves, acknowledge their sin, come to the cross, come to Jesus. We all have to do this. But let me tell you, it's the most powerful, powerful thing. It's the only thing that can truly bring everlasting change. Like, like he so uh, awesomely and, and articulately said that we can just pray every night, God, forgive me, and keep doing the same things. But let this day, if you raise your hand, if you're living in a place, you know you're not knowing God in a personal way in, in, in your life, and you might even deceive yourself, oh, I know God, I know him, I know him personally, but if your life doesn't match it, let's change that today. Let's take that step. Come on, would you just quickly, we're going to just spend five minutes and we're going to dismiss, but quickly, just move out of your seat. Come to these altars this morning. Come to Jesus. Come on, lay down your sin. Just, just take up that, that powerful relationship. Please, just come. Just come. We're going to close in a minute. It doesn't matter what you've done in your life. It doesn't matter where you come from today. It doesn't matter what your past has been like. There's forgiveness. There's hope. There's change. Today is the day. Come on, God. God will give you such joy. God will give you such peace. Come on, just come. A couple have come. Maybe there's still others. We just, we just wait on you. This moment's too special. This moment's too, too holy. You've heard a great message. You've been in the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit working. Come on, respond. Come on, this is a new day. This is the beginning of a new life. Come on, your sins will be forgiven. Your life will be changed. You'll never be the same again. 
Come on, there's this powerful forgiveness. Come on, in Jesus' name, let, let's sing one song, and then I'm going to give you an opportunity. Keep coming as they begin to sing. The Holy Spirit is working. Christians begin to pray. Pray for that person, maybe to the right or to the left, that needs to know Jesus in a powerful way. See the tomb where he lay. See the stone rolled away. He is risen. He is risen. He's alive. Hallelujah. Come. Come this morning. We want to pray for you. We want to pray with you.